You know what? If you love Jesus and you've never been baptized, we'll hit you right now. Anybody? Come on. We'll do it. Anybody? Anybody? We want to know that you know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be what? <clears throat> saved. Amen. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Amen, amen. amen. I, I, that's not the right code. Oh, dear. Let me try it again. My iPad's locked up on it. Somebody play some traveling music for me this morning. <laughs> Mm -mm -mm. All right, that got it, yes. <clears throat> Fumble fingers sometimes. Happy Mother's Day. Thrilled to see each and every one of you this morning. So blessed to be here. We're not going to be, not going to take a long time, but I do want to honor moms on this day. Uh, and I, I'll tell you, um, I, it, it's really kind of wrecked me this morning. <clears throat> I'm going to do my best to not, to not be emotional. There are... I can, I can go long stretches now and not break up. But this morning I was recalling the line in the movie, A River Runs Through It. It was Norman MacLean who wrote the famous book. Have you ever seen the movie, A River Runs Through It? Yeah, great, 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 great movie. Um, I remember sitting in the theater just weeping. It just wrecked me watching it. He says at the close of the movie... He's out there casting, doing fly fishing, and he's by himself. He's an older man, actually elderly. And he said, now nearly all those I loved and did not understand when I was young are dead, but I still reach out to them. And he quotes some great lines, and he says, and a river runs through it. And so this morning, my... God-fearing, praying grandmothers on both sides that I know lifted up prayers for those that would follow them. My, my shouting Church of Christ grandma, Creasy Shepherd Smith, who her, her, her Bible literally has a snuff mark on every page. She would sit on the porch in Truman, Arkansas and dip snuff. I mean, to put the thumb on the bottom of the page. And if you see her Bible, she's read every, every page in the Bible because she's got that snuff mark down there. Some of you don't even know what snuff is, and I'm proud that you don't. <laughs> my grandmother on my mother's side, Ella Mae Carr Blake, prayed for me. My mama, my sweet mama, Mary, Mary Agnes Blake Smith, Born in a shack in Marktree, Arkansas. And yet grew up and knew Jesus her whole life. Taught me how to trust God. Drew, my son, my daughter, we're in a family text, as probably most of you have. And Drew sent it this morning and says, I love all y'all. And I said, remember the good things. Remember the life she lived, and remember the love she gave. She is so proud of both of you. I was telling that to my children. Mother's Day is a hard day for my children because their mother checked out early because she faced a, a horrible mental illness. 
but I'm thankful that God is greater than and he's bigger than. I still reach out to them. I understand my Anglican brothers and sisters when they say, pray for us. Because I've been in a moment and I've said, Granddad, Granddad Blake, pray for me. I've said, Dawn, pray for me. I'm struggling. I just want to say today how important a mother's influence is. I'm grateful for mine. I'm truly hopeful that today, if your mother has gone on, that you will take a moment in reflection and be grateful for all that she is and was to you. Mine is still influencing me right now to this day. Before I jump into this, I, I have in my notes, and I need to pay attention to it, I, I, um, I want to give special thanks to Darren Johnson and Shannon and all of their team who did an amazing job cooking for our first responders on Friday. Everyone who served so that we could honor all of our policemen and firemen, EMTs, paramedics, state troopers, highway patrol, all of these folks that put their lives literally in jeopardy, hazarding their lives, as the, as the New Testament says in the King James and the book of Acts, for your safety and for mine, to protect our community, to rescue our community. This morning, I, I don't want to be brief, and I do, I am going to be encouraging, but I've just had to kind of battle through some of my own emotions today. I want to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Paul the Apostle is writing, this is not a church epistle, this is a pastoral epistle. He's writing to his son in the Lord, Timothy, and he says, I'm going to skip the first two verses and jump to verse 3, and he says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers the mark of a spiritual father. He says in verse 4, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. Obviously, there was a true spiritual affection and brotherhood that existed between Paul and Timothy. He says, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. In verse 5, he says, I remember your, say it with me, genuine faith for what? You share the faith, and where did it come from? That first filled your what? Grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that, say it, same faith continues strong in you. Timothy was influenced by two powerfully godly, faithful women. Lois, the grandmother, Eunice, the mother. And Paul says, I know I know that same faith continues strong in you. Verse 6, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Verse 7, and that's the concluding verse. Read it with me if you would please. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The King James says a sound mind. How many of you are thankful that you woke up with a sound mind this morning. A couple of you I'm not too sure about, but with all the rest, thank God you woke up with a sound mind. One thing that I want to bring today that's like the repeating chorus with multiple verses in a song, you're going to hear it, it is 
No one's early life-shaping influence is greater than a mother's. Say that with me if you believe that. Come on. No one's early life-shaping influence is greater than a mother's. That's probably about 70%. Come on. No one's early life-shaping influence is greater than a mother's. If you're grateful for your mother today, everybody say amen. My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother, I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her, says George Washington, the first president of the United States of America. There never was a woman like her. She was gentle as a dove and brave as a lioness. The memory of my mother and her teachings were, after all, the only capital I had to start life with. And on that capital, I have made my way. President Andrew Jackson. <laughs> a Spanish proverb, I love this one. It says, an ounce of mother is worth a ton of priest. <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I owe to the solemn word of my good mother, the most famous Baptist preacher in history, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. To describe my mother would be to write about a hurricane in its perfect power. Poetic, apropos, as only Maya Angelou could say. A hurricane in its perfect power. <laughs> the noblest calling in the world is that of mother. True motherhood is the most beautiful of all arts, the greatest of all professions. She who can paint a masterpiece or who can write a book that will influence millions deserves the plaudits and the admiration of mankind. But she who rears successfully a family will be an exerting an influence through the ages long after paintings shall have faded and books and statues shall have been destroyed. Motherhood deserves the highest honor that man can give. David McKay said that. What is that famous, I don't have it in here, but it just hit me right then. The, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Mothers, you have so much influence on not just the very next generation that you are rearing, but multiple generations to come. It's a godly calling. It is, to some degree, looked down upon in this generation whose mantra is, what do you do when you meet people? And you with pride, in godly pride, in the biblical sense should say, I am a stay-at-home mom, or I am a single mom who is struggling to raise my children. I am a whatever, you fill in the blank, mother. When you are a mother, you are never really alone in your thoughts. A mother always has to think twice, once for herself and once for her child. Sophia Loren, interesting. No one's early life-shaping influence is greater than a mother's. I want to talk to you briefly this morning about three Bible women who have shaped and shaken the world. The very first one is the lady that we're all familiar with, wife to the father of our faith, Abraham. Abram and Sarai became Abraham and Sarah. God changed their name by adding an ah to Sarah and a ha to Abram. And when Ah met Ha, there was Ha Ha was born. And Isaac's name means laughter. 
that there's no coincidence in that. God has a sense of humor. The baby was named laughter, and God put a ha in Abraham and an ah in Sarah, and God birthed that very thing. Ha, 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 ha. Come on, do it. Ha, 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 ha. Sarah was a woman of faith. A woman who was too old to do what God called her to do. Hebrews 11, verses 11 and 12 say, It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a nation came from this one man, Abram, who became Abraham who was as good as dead, the Bible says. These were long before the days of little blue pills, and I'll just leave it alone right there. <laughs> the Bible says he received strength, and she received strength to conceive in Romans chapter 4. He didn't stagger at the promise of God, but he believed that God was able to do what he had promised. A nation with so many people like that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. And the whole point that I want to bring briefly with the story of Abraham and Sarah, I'm not going to dive deep this morning, but just, just remind you, and this is my principle, it's never too late to trust the promises of God. Mm, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it ain't too late. To trust what God said. It's never too late to trust in the promises of God. My own mother's faith, Mary. What a positive smile. Everybody loved Mary. She worked for years at, as a floral designer under Bill Seaton at West Memphis Flower Shop. Mary always had a kind thing to say and always had a smile on her face. Always exuded the joy of the Lord. And I believe that was because my mother was a woman of prayer. I remember as a young child standing behind the door looking through the crack and watching my mother as she was down on her knees at kneeling at the bed and she had my sister Phyllis's picture in her arms clutching it to her bosom and weeping and going, God, protect my baby girl. God, be with her. In Jesus' name, and mother was crying. She was weeping. She was interceding. She was crying out to God. This same mother that I grew up bouncing on her knees, singing to me the songs of Zion, teaching me my ABCs before I ever went to kindergarten, and teaching me Bible verses, and the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and, and 66 books in the Bible, and saying all of them, and all of those things that my mother taught me, Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. She, one thing that I will always remember that she regularly said, Mom said, with God all things are possible. She was a woman of faith. She was a woman who absolutely came from nothing. And if there was a truer story, my same testimony is the one of that quote that I gave you before. All the capital in life that I began with was the trust in God that my mother instilled in me and injected into me and taught me that I didn't have to be held back by limiting beliefs or ideas. But I could do anything that God put a desire in my heart to do. Abraham Lincoln said, All that I am or ever hope to be I owe to my angel mother. No one's early life shaping influence is greater than a mother's. The second mom that I want to talk to you about 
just for a brief moment today, and after I finish the third, we're going to pray for moms today. We're excited about you. I hope that you've taken advantage of the opportunity to take pictures with your family. Thanks to Jen Johnson. Everybody give her a hand. Jen and Brad, we love them. The second woman I want to talk to you about is Jochebed. You, that might be a name you're not familiar with because we have to search far and wide uh, to find out her name because it's, she's unnamed for a period until you get farther over into the history books of the Scripture. And Jochebed, does anybody know who Jochebed was, the mother of whom? Moses, very good. We've got a couple of Bible students in the room. Jochebed is a great woman of courage. You find her story in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I'm not going to read that, but you remember Pharaoh, basically a new one had come to the throne, and they did not know, not know the people of Joseph the way the previous Pharaohs had. They had been in now slavery for some 430 years. At that point, it was about 350 because Moses was just born. And Pharaoh had a fear of the people of Israel because they were so strong, particularly the mothers, because the mothers would birth the babies so quickly and the babies were strong and they grew up fine, strapping, handsome young men and strong young women that became mothers and fathers and increased the population of this nation that God 430 years prior had prophesied and said, look Abraham at the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. Count them if you can because I'm going to give you a seed. I'm going to cause you to become the father of many nations and just like you can't count them, your people will be innumerable. And Pharaoh never heard the prophecy but a fear was in his heart and he put out an edict a commandment that said you are to drown all of the boy babies in the river Nile Egypt worshipped the Nile and everything that came up out of it all of the reptiles and the creepy crawly things they had gods in the shape of everything that the Nile provided because the Nile was their source their resource their sustenance their water their life it watered their crops so they worshipped everything that came up out of the Nile. And when God raised up Moses, he gave them parents who had a prophetic insight. And as we look this morning, Hebrews chapter 11 verses 23 through 27 say this, It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. Say the two words emboldened. They what? They saw. I love that. They saw, they saw that God had given them an unusual child and what? They were not afraid to disobey the king's command. How many of you know when you see something that God provides that nobody else can see, it will remove any fear that is remaining for you to obey the word of the Lord that he has for your life? When God lets you see, when he pulls back the curtain and he shows you something that other folk don't have an opportunity to ever to get the, upon their eye, when God lets you see something, he says, you know what, I'm going to put in you not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And they were not, they were not afraid to disobey. They were not afraid to, to be civil disobedience in the day when Pharaoh commanded that all the boy babies would be drowned. Why? Because he was afraid that God was going to raise up a deliverer. He didn't know it, but that's exactly what God was going to do. Next verse. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, 
He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 26, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt and for he what? Look at the same spirit that was in the parents got on the son. He's looking for something. He's seeing something. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. And it's going to become even more evident in this next one. Look at this. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not what? Not fearing. Because once you see something, you ain't scared. Look at your neighbor and say, ain't scared. Not fearing the king's anger, he kept right on going because he kept what? His eyes on the... Wait a minute, if he's invisible, how do you see him? Well, that's the whole point. God lets you see the one who is invisible. And he shows up in your life. And because mama had that, she instilled it into her son. She touched his prophetic insight. I'm not just talking about these, these two organs here in the front of your head that see things naturally, but I'm talking about having some eyesight that can see beyond the natural and beyond the surface. Hallelujah. Moses had the ability with a penetrating sight to see something into the heavenly, something into the realm of the spirit. And he had to because God called him to be a deliverer, to go to, before Moses and not be scared to stand up and say, let my people go. Hallelujah. When no one else sees destiny and greatness on your life, come on, when everybody else has given up on you, when everybody else has labeled you and you've got the reputation in school for being the troublemaker and you've had the problems and you've stood before the judge and, and you've got a record even as a juvenile and you've been in juvie and you've done all those things. You know what I'm going to tell you? When nobody else sees the potential and the destiny on your life, guess who does? Mom. Mom sees the greatness on your life. Many times... What would appear on the outside as a fragile, maybe even broken voice of a little mom would stand before a powerful judge and say, Judge, I know that my son has done some wrong things, but I'm telling you, if you give him one more chance, I give you my word. I'm going to see. I'm going to see to it. I'm going to see to it that he begins to make some good decisions and I'm going to get him on the right course. Well, if you'll just give me one chance, judge, I promise you, because I see something in him. I don't know if you can see it, judge, but I see something in this boy. I see something in this girl. And when nobody else sees greatness or destiny on your life, you better know your mama sees it. Thank God for the mamas. Do you see anything in your children's lives? Worldwide known military leader, his destruction was at Waterloo. Napoleon Bonaparte said, The future destiny of a child is always the work of a mother. My mother said to me, I love this one, get this. My mother said to me, If you become a soldier, you'll be a general. If you become a monk, you'll end up as the Pope. Instead, I became a painter and wound up as Picasso. I absolutely, I can do flips at that. Because mothers, I want to tell you, your words are so powerful. Your words etch into the stone of a, of a child's destiny and their future. Whether they have any insecurity 
at a young age, it more than likely is because you might have put it there. If they have confidence, more than likely it's because you might have put it there. And I want to tell you, even, and every one of us, we've all made mistakes, but guess what? It's not too late to look to God and redeem the past, hallelujah, and build with positive words into the lives of our children. The mother, more than any other, affects the moral and spiritual part of the children's character. She is their constant companion and teacher in their formative years. The child is ever imitating and assimilating the mother's nature. It is only after life that men gaze backward and behold how a mother's hand and heart of love molded their young lives and shaped their destiny. Mothers, 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 we celebrate you this morning. We want you to know how important you are for the future. My own mother's view of me. Mom always believed in me. She always called me higher. She said, do not let the limiting ideas of other people keep you from being everything that God has called you to be. Son, I believe in you. I pray for you. And this morning, she's sitting in the heavenlies. She's, she's looking over the bow of heaven. And she is cheering me on to run my race. Keep running, son. Keep going. My dear friend Preston Smith, I've known since first grade, we had a season. I had always trusted God, walked with the Lord, was very devout, very outspoken in my Christianity. And I went through a season where I was wounded and hurt because of great disappointment in an evangelist that I had been traveling with throughout the southern states and up the eastern, eastern seaboard. And just discovered some things and I just got angry and I got mad and I just put my Bible on the shelf and I just was ticked off at God. Why, God, would you let this be a part of my life? And it just shook me and it affected me and I was angry and I just said, you know what, I, I'm not going gonna, I'm, I'm to do this. We were out of church. I was not in church. I hadn't picked up my Bible. It probably had a year's worth of dust on it and I was out doing the typical teenage boy things. I was trying to get drunk I tried to smoke a cigarette one time, and the kids told me at school, said, you, saw, you ought to have seen the most hilarious thing. Mike Smith tried to smoke a cigarette last night. <laughs> it was hilarious. He didn't know what he was doing. I tried to smoke dope a couple times, and it didn't do a thing for me. All it did was made me hungry, and I didn't eat anything that was going to make me eat any more food than I already ate. <laughs> I'm, just being, I'm just telling the truth. I hope that doesn't offend you. I can't believe the pastor said he smoked some dope. Yeah. The only truth, the only difference between me and Bill Clinton is I'll tell you I did inhale. <laughs> My friend Preston said, years later, she said, Miss Mary, he said, Miss Mary, mom's older than years. And I didn't even know this until my last trip to Knoxville for a couple of days before I went to North Carolina for a, for a leadership conference. And I stopped in Knoxville and stayed a couple of days. And he said, I said, Mike, I never told you this, but one time... I was standing in the kitchen, and you were, you know, somewhere else, and you were home visiting, and I was over there just talking to your mom, and he, he said, I asked her one day, he said, Miss Mary, did you ever know what we were doing out when we were late, out late on Friday night? And she said, oh, y'all thought you were really smart, but I knew exactly what was going on. And Preston said, well, did you ever worry about us? She said, no, because I just prayed and knew the hand of the Lord was on both of your lives. Mm. I'm thankful for the prayers of my mother. I'm probably still alive because of the prayers of my mother. She always believed in me. She always said, son, don't let anybody limit you. With God, all things are possible. That's, that was her line. No one's early life-shaping influence is greater than a mother's. 
Lastly, this morning, I think probably the greatest example of motherhood in Scripture is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary is a woman of purpose. She recognized at a staggeringly young age that she was different. Luke 1, verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, her cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. You know the story. And I left all of it out. The next verse that they have right here is on purpose um, in verse 37. And that's because the angel basically comes to Mary and says, fear not. How many of you know if an angel shows up, he probably needs to say, don't be afraid, first thing. <laughs> now, I, first of all, I'm going to tell you, I believe in angelic visitations. I know that God has a whole host of heaven's army that is available at your side if you will trust God and walk according to his will. The scripture says that all of these are messengers that are sent to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent to, be, to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation? Yes, you have an angel. Oh, that's just a nice little you know, TV show on Lifetime Network. No, I believe that. I believe that Agalos, I believe the angels of God are a separate creature. You don't, we don't get wings when you go to heaven, when you die. You don't become an angel. They're a whole different created order. They're, they're at the, the beck and call of the Father, the Heavenly Father, who will send. And they're not these little Raphael, Renaissance, fat babies with little bitty tiny wings. But they're 10 feet tall, strong, built, jacked up. Angels of God that, are, that would look muscular and they've got a sword that would take off the top of this building. If you read the Bible stories, you'll see that they, were, they, they wreaked terror in the hearts of people. When Gabriel, the great annunciator, the one who was there to declare the one that was coming, when Gabriel showed up, the first thing he said was, Fear not, don't be afraid. He says, The Lord is with you. We're talking about a teenage girl. 14, 15 maybe. Gabriel appeared to her and says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God. Okay. <laughs> Whew, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, and I love this, but how can this be since I know not a man? King James says, but this one is, how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel says, honey, that's exactly how it's going to happen. It's because it's not a work of man. It's going to be a work of God. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she, was con she conceived a son. And in now in her sixth month, here we go, verse 7. For the word of God will never fail. Say that with me. For the word of God will never fail. The, the literal Greek says no word of God is void of power. 
Every word God speaks has the power to produce what that word contains. Light be, light was. When, when, when God made creation, He didn't fashion it by His hands. The Scripture uses anthropomorphic language. Anthropos is man. Morphic is the shape of man. It's, it's a poetic way of, of giving us this kind of a, a romantic idea of, of God scooping out the seas and pushing the mountains up. And, and there, uh, there are poetic passages that say it that way. But when you really understand that all of this was created, Genesis 1, Proverbs 8, the book of Psalms declares that it was all created by the spoken word of God. God said, and it had to come to pass. No word of God will ever fail. And so that word was spoken over Mary. The Bible says, Mary responded, verse 38, and I'm finished. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. King James says, be it unto me according to your word. And I believe that even the work of salvation comes with God initiating it first, but we have to respond and say, may what you have said be unto me. Be it unto me according to your word. God reaches. God is the divine chess player who makes the first move in your life. But you have to respond in faith and say, I believe, I put my trust in you. And when you do that, something divine is born on the inside of you that is a holy thing. It's a whole new identity because it's the Son of God who has come into your life and into your heart. Come on, somebody. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Fifteen-year-old girl, can you imagine going home and saying, Dad, I, I got something I need to tell you. Um, an angel came today. Wait, 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 wait. I, I, I know you kids are always doing some st crazy stuff, but don't even start this with me. Dad, I need to talk to you because in a few months, things are going to look different. Uh, you what? Can you imagine a young teenage girl trying to tell her dad? Can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine the guilt that they tried to put on her when she knows in her own heart that this was a work of the Holy Spirit and not something that she did out of the right time. She was already pledged to Joseph, and that is the most powerful season pre-marriage in a young Jewish couple's life. The Bible says another angel showed up and appeared to Joseph in Matthew 1 in a dream and said, this is a God thing. Don't put her away. She's not cheated on you. But what I'm going to do is going to change the world. And he responded and he took Mary and he stood beside her. What a powerful thing when a dad comes into a home of a mom who's lost a previous husband or maybe she's been divorced and, or a single mom and he takes up the cause of loving someone's child that's not his own. Joseph, what a mighty story of Joseph. Because this was not a human baby in that sense. It was all human and all God at the same time. The purpose of God in your life, mom, is to steward the purpose of God in your child's life. To recognize, to see it, to speak faith into it. To, to see something that other people don't see, like Jochebed, Moses' mom. To believe God for impossible things when you think you're too old to trust God for His promises. Like, uh, like I, I, Isaac's mom, Sarah. Mary trusted God and stewarded the purpose of God in Jesus' life.
my own mother's willingness to let go in the season when I was seeking God to pursue ministry. I, I think, I, I'm, this is my own opinion, so you're, you're more than welcome to disagree, but I believe that we don't really fully mature until we birth a child, raise a child, and then when we let that child go into the world, I think we personally as parents have reached full growth ourselves because there are lessons all along the way that we're learning. And letting them go at that point sometimes is the hardest thing that we ever have to do. Let them make their own mistakes and not be there to constantly fix it and pick them back up. And yes, pray. And yes, give advice. Not the way you used to as a commandment, but wait until they ask. And then when they do, it's amazing. I'm grateful for great relationships with both of my children, my son and my daughter. And they call me regularly, Dad, what do you think I should do? And I say, well... This is, uh, let's pray. First of all, I don't know. Let's pray about it. And I've always taught them to go to the Lord first. Then let's talk about it and God will confirm in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. My mother told me not until after I was older. She said, son, I just want you to know that before you were born, I gave you to the Lord just like Hannah gave Samuel to the Lord. And those words marked my life. She said, I gave you to the Lord for ministry, for you to do whatever he's called you to do. And he said, I'm not trying, she said, I'm not trying to put anything on you. Whatever you feel God's called you to do, you do it and put your hand to it with all of your might. She gave me to the Lord, and I know that. I remember my mother's prayers, and they've always followed me. They have clung to me all of my life, says President Abraham Lincoln. No one's early life-shaping influence is greater than a mother's. So this morning, I'd like the, the musicians, if you would, come back. Because I just want to take a moment today before we say the amen and you go to lunch, wherever you have brunch reservations and whether you've cooked at home or whatever. And I particularly today want to just tell the single moms that are in the room, you're just struggling and you're going, God, is there ever a place for me to have some help? Would you ever send me? someone that I could ever love again, that I could trust again, Lord, that, I, that will help me raise this child or these babies. For those of you today that are here, and this is the first Mother's Day without your mom, know something, that Jesus looked at the Pharisees one day and he said, you know what, God is not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. And I want you to know that your mama is not dead, she's alive in the presence of the Lord right now. That's, that's why, like Norman McLean and a river runs through it, I can reach to those that have gone before me. I can say, Grandmom, thank you for your influence. Thank you for your prayers. Pray for me right now. Mama, pray for me. Dawn, pray for me. Help me pray for these babies. I've got a string there. And you know what? I believe that they are on that other side and with faith, they're reaching and cheering. And the, the greatest thing, let me just say to you, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm grateful for the prayers of grandmom and mom, but I'm going to tell you, there's one that's greater than them. The Bible says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you. He's praying for you right now. Do you realize you have the Son of God sitting at the right hand of the Father, and He's calling your name right now, Father, strengthen 
John. Father, strengthen Sarah. Father, strengthen Brenna. Father, be with Doris and James. Jesus is calling your name. You know, you don't, you don't need 100,000 people praying for you. If you got Jesus praying for you, how many of you know that's the one that counts? <laughs> Heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around today. Father, I just thank you for the moms in this room. Thank you for the months they carried us, for the sacrifices they gave for us, for the tears they've cried, for the joys they've shared, for the hopes that still beat in their hearts, for a wayward child this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the heart and the faith and the breath that is in a mother's body. As long as she lives, she sees what others don't see. She believes what others don't believe. And, Lord, she steps forward to sacrifice in ways that others don't understand. Thank you for the moms in this room. Thank you, Lord, that the greatest gift that we can give is the knowledge of Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. Anybody, not just a mom, but anybody in this room who's never crossed that line of faith, Jesus has already reached to you. It's your turn to reach back and just to simply say, Jesus, save me. I trust you. That's your response right there. It's all you need. Take my life. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's available right now before we leave this room. Father, in Jesus' name, do the work of the Spirit that no one else can do. Change us, convict us, mold us, make us, forgive us, provide for us, empower us, sustain us, lead us, guide us, in Jesus' name. Go ahead, you can open your eyes, and I want them just to gently raise the lights, slowly. And if you would, moms, I'd like every mom in the room to stand, right where you are. I'm not going to call you up here, but I just want you to stand where you are. Every mom. And those of you that are in the proximity, families to moms, would you just maybe reach up and touch their shoulder or reach out and take their hand? And if it's a single mom, maybe you other moms and ladies around them, just let's, let's let them, these single moms know they're loved and they're strengthened. Let's, let's pray for these right now. Father, in Jesus' name, as a congregation, we... We lay hands on, we, we bless, we impart, we strengthen. Thank you, God, for that one that gives when there seems like no ability to give anymore. There is just this energizer bunny, just endurance that is in these mothers. And God, I pray that you pour out the Holy Spirit, the strength of God in their lives. Lord, that you touch their bodies and heal them in Jesus' name. Lord, that you provide for them the hopes, the desires, the dreams. Lord, those prayers that are yet unanswered, thank you that you're the God who guards our prayers. Guard, oh God, these moms in this room and the hopes that they have, the aspirations, Father, the faith that they've released through their words. Thank you, Lord, that you bring it to pass. As every mother has said, be it unto me according to your word. God, I speak I challenge and I declare the blessing of God the love of Jesus the wisdom of Solomon the patience of Job Lord each and every one of these moms as they go out of here today make them to know the queens that you've called them to be 
Let our children, let all of us rise up and call her blessed, even as the book of Proverbs says. Beauty is fleeting and charm is deceitful, but greatly to be praised is a woman who fears the Lord. Thank you for mom. Bless her. Guard her, guide her, and keep her. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Everybody, if you would stand up with us this morning.